part two chapter one section one of crime and punishment by fyodor dostoevsky translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part two chapter one section one so he lay a very long while now and then he seemed to wake up and at such moments he noticed that it was far into the night but it did not occur to him to get up at last he noticed that it was beginning to get light he was lying on his back still dazed from his recent oblivion fearful despairing cries rose shrilly from the street sounds which he heard every night indeed under his window after two o'clock they woke him up now ah the drunken men are coming out of the taverns he thought it's past two o'clock and at once he leaped up as though someone had pulled him from the sofa what past two o'clock he sat down on the sofa and instantly recollected everything all at once in one flash he recollected everything for the first moment he thought he was going mad a dreadful chill came over him but the chill was from the fever that had begun long before in his sleep now he was suddenly taken with violent shivering so that his teeth chattered and all his limbs were shaking he opened the door and began listening everything in the house was asleep with amazement he gazed at himself and everything in the night around him wondering how he could have come in the night before without fastening the door and have flung himself on the sofa without undressing without even taking his hat off it had fallen off and was lying on the floor near his pillow if any one had come in what would he have thought that i'm drunk but he rushed to the window there was light enough and he began hurriedly looking himself all over from head to foot all his clothes were there no traces but there was no doing it like that shivering with cold he began taking off everything and looking over again he turned everything over to the last threads and rags and mistrusting himself went through his search three times but there seemed to be nothing no trace except in one place where some thick drops of congealed blood were clinging to the frayed edge of his trousers he picked up a big clasp-knife and cut off the frayed threads there seemed to be nothing more suddenly he remembered that the purse and the things he had taken out of the old woman's box were still in his pockets he had not thought till then of taking them out and hiding them he had not even thought of them while he was examining his clothes what next instantly he rushed to take them out and fling them on the table when he had pulled out everything and turned the pocket inside out to be sure there was nothing left he carried the whole heap to the corner the paper had come off the bottom of the wall and hung there in tatters he began stuffing all the things into the hole under the paper they're in all out of sight and the purse too he thought gleefully getting up and gazing blankly at the hole which bulged out more than ever suddenly he shuddered all over with horror my god he whispered in despair what's the matter with me is that hidden is that the way to hide things he had not reckoned on having trinkets to hide he had only thought of money and so had not prepared a hiding-place but now now what am i glad of he thought is that hiding things my reasons deserting me simply he sat down on the sofa in exhaustion and was at once shaken by another unbearable fit of shivering mechanically he drew from a chair beside him his old student's winter coat which was still warm though almost in rags covered himself up with it and once more sank into drowsiness and delirium he lost consciousness not more than five minutes had passed when he jumped up a second time and at once pounced in a frenzy on his clothes again how could i go to sleep again with nothing done yes 
yes i have not taken the loop off the armhole i forgot it forgot a thing like that such a piece of evidence he pulled off the noose hurriedly cut it to pieces and threw the bits among his linen under the pillow pieces of torn linen couldn't rouse suspicion whatever happened i think not i think not anyway he repeated standing in the middle of the room and with painful concentration he fell to gazing about him again at the floor and everywhere trying to make sure he had not forgotten anything the conviction that all his faculties even memory and the simplest power of reflection were failing him began to be an insufferable torture surely it isn't beginning already surely it isn't my punishment coming upon me it is the frayed rags he had cut off his trousers were actually lying on the floor in the middle of the room where anyone coming in would see them what is the matter with me he cried again like one distraught then a strange idea entered his head that perhaps all his clothes were covered with blood that perhaps there were a great many stains but that he did not see them did not notice them because his perceptions were failing were going to pieces his reason was clouded suddenly he remembered that there had been blood on the purse too ah then there must be blood on the pocket too for i put the wet purse in my pocket in a flash he had turned the pocket inside out and yes there were traces stains on the lining of the pocket so my reason has not quite deserted me so i still have some sense and memory since i guessed it of myself he thought triumphantly with a deep sigh of relief it's simply the weakness of fever a moment's delirium and he tore the whole lining out of the left pocket of his trousers at that instant the sunlight fell on his left boot on the sock which poked out from the boot he fancied there were traces he flung off his boots traces indeed the tip of the sock was soaked in blood he must have unwarily stepped into that pool but what am i to do with this now where am i to put the sock and rags and pocket he gathered them all up in his hands and stood in the middle of the room in the stove but they would ransack the stove first of all burn them but what can i burn them with there are no matches even no better go out and throw it all away somewhere yes better throw it away he repeated sitting down on the sofa again and at once this minute without lingering but his head sank on the pillow instead again the unbearable icy shivering came over him again he drew his coat over him and for a long while for some hours he was haunted by the impulse to go off somewhere at once this moment and fling it all away so that it may be out of sight and done with at once at once several times he tried to rise from the sofa but could not he was thoroughly waked up at last by a violent knocking at his door open do are you dead or alive he keeps sleeping here shouted nastasya banging with her fist on the door for whole days together he's snoring here like a dog a dog he is too open i tell you it's past ten maybe he's not at home said a man's voice ha that's the porter's voice what does he want he jumped up and sat on the sofa the beating of his heart was a positive pain then who can have latched the door retorted nastasya he's taken to bolting himself in as if he were worth stealing open you stupid wake up what do they want why the porter all's discovered resist or open come what may he half rose stooped forward and unlatched the door his room was so small that he could undo the latch without leaving the bed yes the porter and nastasya were standing there nastasya stared at him in a strange way he glanced with a defiant and desperate air at the porter 
who without a word held out a grey folded paper sealed with bottle-wax a notice from the office he announced as he gave him the paper from what office a summons to the police office of course you know which office to the police what for how can i tell you're sent for so you go the man looked at him attentively looked round the room and turned to go away he's downright ill observed nastasya not taking her eyes off him the porter turned his head for a moment he's been in a fever since yesterday she added raskolnikov made no response and held the paper in his hands without opening it don't you get up then nastasya went on compassionately seeing that he was letting his feet down from the sofa you're ill and so don't go there's no such hurry what have you got there he looked in his right hand he held the shreds he had cut from his trousers the sock and the rags of the pocket so he had been asleep with them in his hand afterwards reflecting upon it he remembered that half waking up in his fever he had grasped all this tightly in his hand and so fallen asleep again look at the rags he's collected and sleeps with them as though he has got hold of a treasure and nastasya went off into her hysterical giggle instantly he thrust them all under his greatcoat and fixed his eyes intently upon her far as he was from being capable of rational reflection at that moment he felt that no one would behave like that with a person who was going to be arrested but the police you'd better have some tea yes i'll bring it there's some left no i'm going i'll go at once he muttered getting on to his feet why you'll never get downstairs yes i'll go as you please she followed the porter out at once he rushed to the light to examine the sock and the rags there are stains but not very noticeable all covered with dirt and rubbed and already discoloured no one who had no suspicion could distinguish anything nastasya from a distance could not have noticed thank god then with a tremor he broke the seal of the notice and began reading he was a long while reading before he understood it was an ordinary summons from the district police station to appear that day at half-past nine at the office of the district superintendent but when has such a thing happened i never have anything to do with the police and why just to-day he thought in agonizing bewilderment good god only get it over soon he was flinging himself on his knees to pray but broke into laughter not at the idea of prayer but at himself he began hurriedly dressing if i'm lost i am lost i don't care shall i put the sock on he suddenly wondered it will get dustier still and the traces will be gone but no sooner had he put it on than he pulled it off again in loathing and horror he pulled it off but reflecting that he had no other socks he picked it up and put it on again and again he laughed that's all conventional that's all relative merely a way of looking at it he thought in a flash but only on the top surface of his mind while he was shuddering all over there i've got it on i have finished by getting it on but his laughter was quickly followed by despair no it's too much for me he thought his legs shook from fear he muttered his head swam and ached with fever it's a trick they want to decoy me there and confound me over everything he mused as he went out on to the stairs the worst of it is i'm almost light-headed i may blurt out something stupid on the stairs he remembered that he was leaving all the things just as they were in the hole in the wall and very likely it's on purpose to search when i'm out he thought and stopped short but he was possessed by such despair such cynicism of misery if one may so call it that with a wave of his hand he went on only to get it over in the street the heat was insufferable again 
not a drop of rain had fallen all those days again dust bricks and mortar again the stench from the shops and pothouses again the drunken men the finished peddlers and half broken down cabs the sun shone straight in his eyes so that it hurt him to look out of them and he felt his head going round as a man in a fever is apt to feel when he comes out into the street on a bright sunny day when he reached the turning into the street in an agony of trepidation he looked down it at the house and at once averted his eyes if they question me perhaps i'll simply tell he thought as he drew near the police station the police station was about a quarter of a mile off it had lately been moved to new rooms on the fourth floor of a new house he had been once for a moment in the old office but long ago turning in at the gateway he saw on the right a flight of stairs which a peasant was mounting with a book in his hand a house porter no doubt so then the office is here and he began ascending the stairs on the chance he did not want to ask questions of any one i'll go in fall on my knees and confess everything he thought as he reached the fourth floor the staircase was steep narrow and all sloppy with dirty water the kitchens of the flats opened on to the stairs and stood open almost the whole day so there was a fearful smell and heat the staircase was crowded with porters going up and down with their books under their arms policemen and persons of all sorts and both sexes the door of the office too stood wide open peasants stood waiting within there too the heat was stifling and there was a sickening smell of fresh paint and stale oil from the newly decorated rooms after waiting a little he decided to move forward into the next room all the rooms were small and low-pitched a fearful impatience drew him on and on no one paid attention to him in the second room some clerks sat writing dressed hardly better than he was and rather a queer-looking set he went up to one of them what is it he showed the notice he had received you are a student the man asked glancing at the notice yes formerly a student the clerk looked at him but without the slightest interest he was a particularly unkempt person with a look of a fixed idea in his eye there would be no getting anything out of him because he has no interest in anything thought raskolnikov go in there to the head clerk said the clerk pointing towards the furthest room he went into that room the fourth in order it was a small room and packed full of people rather better dressed than in the outer rooms among them were two ladies one poorly dressed in mourning sat at the table opposite the chief clerk writing something at his dictation the other a very stout buxom woman with a purplish-red blotchy face excessively smartly dressed with a brooch on her bosom as big as a saucer was standing on one side apparently waiting for something raskolnikov thrust his notice upon the head clerk the latter glanced at it said wait a minute and went on attending to the lady in mourning he breathed more freely it can't be that by degrees he began to regain confidence he kept urging himself to have courage and be calm some foolishness some trifling carelessness and i may betray myself hm. it's a pity there's no air here he added it's stifling it makes one's head dizzier than than ever and one's mind too he was conscious of a terrible inner turmoil he was afraid of losing his self-control he tried to catch at something and fix his mind on it something quite irrelevant but he could not succeed in this at all yet the head clerk greatly interested him he kept hoping to see through him and guess something from his face he was a very young man about two-and-twenty with a dark mobile face that looked older than his years 
he was fashionably dressed and foppish with his hair parted in the middle well combed and pomaded and wore a number of rings on his well-scrubbed fingers and a gold chain on his waistcoat he said a couple of words in french to a foreigner who was in the room and said them fairly correctly louisa ivanovna you can sit down he said casually to the gaily dressed purple-faced lady who was still standing as though not venturing to sit down though there was a chair beside her ich danke said the latter and softly with a rustle of silk she sank into the chair her light blue dress trimmed with white lace floated about the table like an air balloon and filled almost half the room she smelt of scent but she was obviously embarrassed at filling half the room and smelling so strongly of scent and though her smile was impudent as well as cringing it betrayed evident uneasiness end of part two chapter one section one recording by expatriate in bangor maine